I'm John. I'm John B. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. I I had this barely uh, avoidable urge to say I'm John as well. Embrace the call of the void. All right, fine. I'm John as well. (laughs) (laughs) One of us. One of us. John, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Yes, uh, I'm John. For the for the purposes of uh, of this recording, man, I don't know what to call myself because I'm also a John B. Yes, but but the the audience knows you as John Mystery. That's true. So you, I I am I I have many names. I am I'm John Mystery. I am uh, in the Discord. You can find me as Beatsmaster. I'm John of the Virginia Johns. What do I have to plug? Oh, the only thing that I have to plug is uh, I just received in the mail the Frog Fractions uh, soundtrack of the Decade Edition vinyl. And yeah. boy, howdy, it is it is a fine record. And I don't know if anyone else is available is able to buy it. But I mean, it didn't, it didn't sell a lot of copies, but they oh, ordered man. like 50 percent more copies than it sold. So really? We don't take pre-orders anymore, but now you can do regular orders at Turtle Pals Tapes. Last I checked, there were plenty of green left, but the uh, orange was pretty low, like less than oh. ten. So, yeah, man, I may I may need to go buy the orange because I bought the green, and the green looks fantastic. Um, and I listened to some of it today, and I really enjoyed it. It felt like I was uh, reliving a very important experience. So. I highly recommend everyone go and find it if you can. I'm really proud of that album. There are lots of bangers on there. Yeah. And and also, I think it's really just the, the whole product is really slickly produced. It's been mastered, which is something that I can't say about the uh, the music in the actual game. I will also say it, it's got some examples of my very favorite genre of music that I've seen in, in your games, Jim, which is... Uh, legally distinct but very similar to existing works oh yeah songs yeah like i am tickled every time i hear the (laughs) one with like from the anagram sequence oh yeah yeah oh my gosh i like it's wonderful uh i hope i hope this is what came across because like if you think it's some other thing that would be hilarious oh no it it is absolutely sneakers right the sneaker soundtrack yeah i hope they don't hear it and like and sue anybody because it's just like but like it's 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 legally distinct it's it's not the same thing yeah but, it's not but but it evokes well but now that there was that case where someone sued robin thick and established that you can you can be in violation of copyright for copying the vibe of a song so now everybody's fucked well i withdraw my previous statement then it doesn't sound anything at all like, like i'll uh, i'll let chris know about uh, what you said <laughs> i think you will be pleased by by that reaction and there's one on there that was the uh a remake sort of like a legally distinct version of wake up by rage against the machine yes yes <laughs> that was a... the other one it's just oh it's so good because <laughs> again it's just like i it, it 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 evokes the feeling of when you you know when you wake up and then you're in the matrix mm-hmm. after you've gone below so anyway Everyone should get the soundtrack and let's do it. It's great. Uh, there won't be enough for if it, for everybody to buy a copy. But if it sells out, maybe we'll do another run. I don't know. Do it. All right. That's my plug. And John, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Uh, hi, I'm John B. I've been on the show more times than should be allowed by law, but not the most times. That's me. And 
y'all know me if you know me as you old so and so on the discord possibly on twitter um i would like to plug the uh barcodes on aldi's uh store brand products um because it amuses me the barcodes amuse you yes the barcode amuses me it's not that the concept of plugging barcodes amuses you because that amuses me i mean that's kind of amusing too uh, you know i mean bar yeah barcodes have been a success they probably don't need any plugging from anybody it's true well, well wait wait i have a question though yes why the aldi barcodes specifically i can actually show you since we're on a zoom call it'll make great radio and then maybe you can describe why i might find it so amusing does that sound like <laughs> let's, let's let's do that that's sound like great. a fun challenging yeah okay i will uh i will be right back <laughs> he's leaving he's just he just left the show goodbye i thought he was going to do like an image search and then paste uh, an image into the chat i thought he was going to hold something up well i think he is but he has to go get it first oh i see well i agree because it could have been like these are my crackers that i'm eating while i'm recording the podcast <laughs> that would yeah i would definitely never had the never had a guest eat crackers on the show yeah, first, first time for everything right? definitely ask them to stop <laughs> unless i mean maybe zoom does a really good job uh noise canceling out the sound of eating crackers incorporating it in or incorporating it in rhythmically yeah just it, some ai masking it just makes it sound like somebody talking but they're talking like ar, 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 ar. <laughs> yeah it's just replacing it with extremely erudite discussion of topics yeah okay i'm back sorry about that there's so many long cords coming from my computer i yeah. if i get up and they move out of position i have a hard time all right let's see Bad this news. barcode let's oh good this is this is not gonna <laughs> background replacement and thanks Be zoom back you need to get a barcode that looks like a human face perhaps i can take it all right i'm gonna do the thing that i thought you were gonna do which is do an image search and then paste the oh, image. yeah that might be better this, this this is great though it it is extremely entertaining i hope it's also entertaining on the sh on the podcast itself yeah let's see if all uh... right, i pasted it in this in discord okay let's see what that looks like ah yes uh, yeah that's the kind of thing i'm talking ah, about the long boys yeah the barcodes that are extremely long yes yep. and i i'm just this is a guess here i'm gonna guess this is to make it so that the the checker fails fewer times when trying to check out the product yeah that that is my uh my um what i surmise as well it's a very practical thing uh yeah. but it's just it's very hilarious and it's like combined with you know the place where they usually write the flowery copy of, right. like you didn't already buy the thing you know on most other products they're just like oh let's just stretch the barcode across there it's just like you're at aldi you know what you're getting just <laughs> just just scan it like yeah. it's food it's food it's cheap it's, it's it's pretty good but yeah there's there's something about you know just how extreme it is compared to uh, everyday barcode experience that uh yeah the these should definitely have like extreme power-ups and barcode battler yeah <laughs> gotta get gotta get the tiger tiger barcodes handheld uh <laughs> like you get you get more hit points just because they're longer yeah so yeah that kind of that kind of extreme it's, it just reminds me of you know every situation where somebody said uh, you know fuck it or i'll show you or something like that <laughs> and just take things too far right uh, are you ready to start on some topics? Let's do that. John B., your topic is the word juxtaposed seemed hyper-specific and esoteric when I first learned it in school, but has proven incredibly common and useful. Yeah. So the word juxtaposed is kind of weird because it contains both a J and an X. 
which are, you know, really high value Scrabble tiles yeah. and difficult to use in anagrams and things like that. You know, in, in a certain sense, when you look at it, it acts and think, know the definition to, to kind of set things next to each other. It's like, oh, yeah, it looks like it says that you you you, ju- you put them in a pose Juxta. And, and they're just next to each other. I don't Juxta. know. <laughs> First, first oh, you like, juxta you, and then you pose it. Yeah. Do you, do you do you think the the X is like a contraction from yeah. <laughs> old, old English times, like how the word connection in in some British spellings is spelled with an X yeah, rather than a CT? Without looking up the et- etymology on the, uh, the the computer I'm recording this on, then yeah, that's a. I don't know if I ever thought of it explicitly that way, but I feel like uh, that's been been uh, at the back of my mind the whole time I've ever thought of the word. Wow. Merriamwebster.com says juxta is a prefix meaning nearby. It comes from the Latin juxta, a preposition meaning nearby. <laughs> That's so... one of the simplest etymologies you could ask for. <laughs> <laughs> what you see is what you get with that word. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's, you know, it's one of those words. It's, it seems like very specific. It's, why do we need a word for putting things next to each other? I feel like it's the idea gets there, but there's, there's uh, some nuance to it, and you you see it a lot in you know art and criticism contexts and things like that. I don't know how often I've seen it actually refer to the like a, a physical act. You know, the police station is juxtaposed to the the school building or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's it shows up in in critical context all the time and things like that. It's it's one of those vocabulary words. Here's a question. Approximately how old do you think you were when you first became aware of this word? Uh, you know, it was either late middle school or or high school, part of vocabulary or spelling or something like that ongoing through my English classes. It's possible I saw it earlier. I had a book of brain teasers and it kept popping up in that book in like different types of acrostic puzzles or something like that. Yeah, that makes that makes sense for the reasons I just yeah. <laughs> talked about at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in a certain sense, though, I mean, we can. There's, there's really not much more to say about it, unless you, you too, Jim, have a history of the word juxtapose, uh, waiting in the wings, like a Batman origin story or something. I feel like <laughs> I stopped being able to learn new words after like 35. That sounds, sounds right. So I must have learned it before then because I know what it means, <laughs> but yeah. I don't have a memory of learning it. And if there are any other words that you feel like are hyper specific that you see more often than you ever thought you would. The other one that uh, kind of twins with this in my mind, because I also learned it in school, uh, was defenestrate, you know, yeah, for, to, yeah. to throw something out a window. <laughs> Another pre-35 word for me. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's great. And that's less common in, in my life, but it's a fun word to know when and say. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I've come, coming to find out that there's a famous defenestration that uh in history <laughs> most famous defenestrations yeah the defenestration of prague should be probably be what comes up oh i've heard of this i don't remember the context but i all right it's on top10s.net these are just people's these are just the people's names okay <laughs> oh no okay that's those are headings and there's paragraphs about them the, sorry yeah, I, I've, so it's it's um, such a historical event that I feel like, uh, you know, the word probably existed before, but I feel like uh, if it hadn't existed before, that event would necessitate it. 
it's creation. Yeah. <laughs> if God didn't exist, we'd have to create him. They didn't invent the word, but they made it famous. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that warrants that warrants this very specific word. I'm glad we have it in our vocabulary. <laughs> uh, number one is the second Prague defenestration. Oh, there's the second one. Yeah, the, the number seven is the first Prague defenestration. I have to ask, what is going on in Prague with all these defenestrations? <laughs> That's like... Guess you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, oh, all three men survived <laughs> the fall by landing in a pile of horse manure at the bottom of a, of a moat. We got we got to do Back to the Future Four just so we can have Biff defenestrated, <laughs> right? The, okay, the first governmental defenestration occurred in 1419. The second in 1483, and the third in 1618. What's the, what's that that construction where it's like? If I had a nickel for every time <laughs> the government got thrown out of the window in Prague, I'd have three nickels, which isn't many, but it is strange that it happened that often. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> Phineas and Ferb meme. Yeah. According to this, number two is Chopin's piano. <laughs> I don't know about this one. I feel like the the whole thing about it being special and needing a word is that it's happening to a person. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I don't I, know. Yeah. If I saw a piano come out of a damn window, I'd I'd think that was a uh, pretty uh, remarkable. That's yeah, is it, is it just things going out the window that are not supposed to? <laughs> like a piano is not supposed to go out the window. Yeah, but we like we need to draw attention to this. The the, the fun thing was connecting that to the French word for window, fenêtre, which is uh, uh-huh. when I took French <laughs> class. I was like, oh, knowledge is connecting. This is great. It's all coming together. Those are two of the big words that uh, you know, I see more often than you would. Than I would have thought when I first learned them. I would, going back to juxtapose, I was uh, reminded seeing this. There's a song by a Welsh band called Super Furry Animals, uh, a song called Juxtaposed with You that uh, was released in 2001. And it is an upbeat song about having to tolerate people that you hate because let's get juxtaposed. Juxtaposed. I suppose I want, I, I just suppose I juxtapose with you, right? Like it's kind of, anyway. It's a weirdly, weirdly upbeat song about about tolerating people that you hate. Anyway, I I feel like it went a long way to uh, promote the word juxtapose. Maybe uh-huh. just started started to hear it suddenly after two thousand one because they they got into uh, cool Welsh bands. Yeah, or the magazine spelled stylistically, but uh, for pose is P O Z instead. Oh, apparently defenestrate comes from the Latin fenestra, meaning window. That would make sense. Defend to remove the windows, defenestrate. And it, it was invented for the defenestration of Prague. Oh, there you go. Hey, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that perfectly. That's exactly the thing. <laughs> Fantastic. We need a word to describe this thing that happened. Yeah, this that's... is too. This is too fucked up. We need a word. <laughs> yeah, and the Germans don't have one somehow. So this is the first time anyone was ever thrown out of a window. First time. According- enough to were thrown out of it to be unusual right according to google books usage of the word defenestration has doubled since 1989 <laughs> you know what i think it's i think it's fairly popular on uh on the internet because we can think of lots of things we'd like to throw out the the fucking window <laughs> yeah. these days i'm sure the computer yeah the computer itself you know starting that the people on the other side of the computer mm. are we ready for another topic i think so Sure. John, your topic is farewell to cheap bots done quick and the tens of thousands of benevolent Twitter bots it powered. Yeah, 
this bummed me out. This happened back in April. Um, but uh, for for those of you who don't know, there was a service, I guess, uh, yeah. called called Cheap Bots Done Quick, and it made use of the scripting language to help power bots, where you could just give it a, a dictionary of text, and you could have it create simple tweets uh, with dictionary replacement stuff. Um, yeah. And it was, at least the examples that I saw of it being used were pretty harmless and fun. I had uh, created a Twitter bot of my own called Garages Covers, which uh, it took all of the songs by the band The Garages, which is a band that made songs about Blaseball, which has also come to an end recently, but that's another, that's a topic for another time. But anyway, it, it imagined these songs by The Garages as if they were covered by other famous alt-rock artists. So right. it would be like Elvis Costello playing Fight Gods or something like that. Um, and it would just do that periodically. And uh, you know, mostly it was it was nonsense, but every once in a while there'd be a really good one. And um, I think at, at its peak, only about 20 people were paying attention to it. But many of those <laughs> people are were people in the garages. And so I would follow along on the on the uh, the fourth strike discord. And every once in a while, someone would share a fun tweet from there. And it just it warmed my heart every time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it it's kind of amazing the power it gives it gave you at the time to just you wouldn't need to be technical basically at all you could just use yeah. the that little scripting language called it's called tracery it's by kate compton and and construct a uh I, okay i'm gonna say you can, you can construct a grammar i guess you have to be a little bit technical <laughs> you need to be able to look at um nested braces and figure out what that means hmm you wouldn't need to like learn about how to host a bot yourself, which is much more esoteric. Right. Uh, and you could just upload this script to this website. I don't think you'd even need to log in. You would use your, you would log in to your Twitter's bot account and it would authorize from there. And then it would just start posting for you. Pretty amazing. I used this, yeah. even though it's not quite the right tech for it. I used it for the uh, Topic Lords bot just because it was easy. Yeah. Yep. And instead of constructing a grammar, I just gave it a list of like, here's 10,000 strings that post one at <laughs> one of at random. And yeah. it, worked, it worked great. I, I missed that. And I missed the, uh, I miss what you were doing at the end there with only 90s kids will remember being, <laughs> right, being appended right, right. to at the beginning of every topic. Right. Well, I mean, that's still there if you go to Mastodon. Oh, yeah. I have one of those. Not, not Mastodon itself, but on the, the whatever the bot. Bots in space. Bots dot in space or right. Or bots in dot space. Yeah. Wherever the dot goes, you could follow it on the Fediverse. Or you could just like, I guess you could just you don't need to follow it. You can just look at it. Yeah, just bookmark the page. <laughs> Remember bookmarks? <laughs> yeah. Weird. Remember huh? home pages? Oh man. Yeah, I've been reading a lot less Nancy since uh since the bot apocalypse on Twitter. Um uh, Sluggo is lit. Nancy posting bot just uh, ended in May because <laughs> oh, of the, the changes. And uh, on the plus side, I have uh, like a month and a half to go back and uh, look at now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really a shame because I feel like all the instances that I saw of bots being run by cheap bots done quick, just without fail, the ones that I saw amused me in some way. And oftentimes it was like lyrics bots, or you know, someone would just post a fraction of a. Of a song lyric or 
you know, uh, again, the, the topic Lords one was nice too, because it, it was also very useful um, when it started saying what the episode number was right for a time, yeah. for a time it didn't it and that was also kind of just interesting but <laughs> but then it's like oh and I now I want to hear more about this and then I know where to go right yep it feels like something important was lost it's just an example of things getting a little worse yeah all there's the time there's a lot of that going on right now I mean there's been trends yeah. in that for a while um, but I feel like the last year 2022 on, has been yeah. kind of the acceleration of that. Yeah. There were big changes at TCM announced and that seemed like it it would never die. I just heard about that. What it, do you mind filling No, sure. they they laid they laid off a bunch of um execs uh, who had been with them for a long time. Hmm. People who were responsible for the identity and everything and it, it just uh you know, feels like part of the trend of the discovery buyout. Things slowly get worse. Yeah. Kind of, kind of slowly in fits and starts. You know, it's suddenly every a bunch of stuff is gone, but there's still a bunch of stuff there. But it all happens when things happen; they happen at once, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Discord. I don't know what's going on with. Uh, I saw some things, and they're talking about it more than uh than what I've been paying attention to. I guess Discord is still pretty arcane and strange to me, even though I've been using it daily for the last three years or so. Yeah, it's. But I feel like other people are using it in different ways or like using it better. It's like IRC with a memory or a really bad forum where you can't uh, find topics again. <laughs> it's like a combination of both with some of the advantages and some weird. Uh, yeah. You know, is this real time? Is it not? It's kind of in between. <laughs> yeah, I do think that there's a pattern happening where like venture capital funded companies are. I think they're kind of coming up up against it and we're feeling the pinch mm. as users yep. as they try to figure out how to, how do we actually make, start making money. And the answer for the vast majority of them is that they don't start making money and they go out of business, but that hasn't happened yet. In the meantime, we could just have interesting, fun toys that exist for a while. Right. Oh, if only. The, the, the kind of real time, but also history nature of a uh, discord, I'd just occurred to me to call it an active time battle IRC or something like that. So <laughs> nice. One of one of the uh, fellow topic lords, JP Vector Palm. I haven't seen any posts from a uh, Capcom versus everyone. Yeah. I, oh, that's I, that's on. I mean, that's on both uh, the Fediverse and on co-host. Okay. Yeah. I, I need to check. I need I, to yeah, go on I, over there. They just added a feature where you can. Um, the, it replies to each post with a poll. So you can decide who wins. <laughs> oh, I, I think I think I recall I am present on Mastodon, but I don't use it very often. But I think I was getting like pings every time one of the polls came out. Like no no other post, just the just the post for the for the polls. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Need to get on there and engage more. I'm never I'm not gonna leave Twitter until it like collapses probably. So I need I need to quit my job just so I can keep up with all the places now. So you physically can't get into Twitter anymore. That's the move. Yeah, pretty much. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Maybe. Uh, my topic is Temple of Apshai's manual. Uh, have either of you played Temple of Apshai? I've only heard the name. I don't think I've heard of it. Okay. This is a game. I think it was from 1979 for for 8-bit micros. That was a huge... It was a, So it's it's kind of an action RPG, but... Definitely more along the lines of Dungeons and Dragons than like a modern action mm -hmm. RPG like Diablo. And it was a huge uh, success in terms of like 
selling like half a million copies over five years, which was a lot for 8-bit hmm. micros back then. And it was basically like the one of the simplest versions of D&D you can imagine where like the simplest implementations of it, where the graphics are just little blocks hmm. and you're walking around and it says, oh no, an ant. And you have to fight the ant. And you can't save your character. So instead you have to write down your stats and it asks you when you start the game, what your stats are from, from your last session. Oh, interesting. So you, so it's you like just one have of the to most, like bare bones implementations of this idea that you can, that you can imagine. So it sounds, it almost sounds kind of like I'm imagining that this is maybe a precursor to the password. I mean, except that like, the idea of a, a save password, like it tries to obfuscate and prevent you from cheating. Whereas this game, right. like I think even in, it, it explicitly is like, yeah, you know, you could just put anything you want in here. If you ah, if you feel okay. like playing it that way, like you can import your your, your tabletop character oh, or you wow, can import okay. your character from some other D&D game. It almost sounds more like a utility almost. But we'll accept that just... like you actually play the game. There's there's hmm. dungeon layouts. It's not. It's not randomly generated like a roguelike. There's a fixed dungeon layout. So the manual, which is the thing this topic is about, hmm. is this like novel novella length book that it tells you how to play the game and it tells you like some generalized lore because the game doesn't really have a story. Like there's not even an ending. So it kind of just goes off on like the concept of going on a, a, an adventure. But a good chunk of the book is what would be in a modern game, the game's flavor text. So you'll go into a room, it'll say room 16, and you can look up room 16 in the manual and there's a paragraph describing room 16 and you'll defeat the monster that appears there and it'll say you found treasure five and you'll look up treasure five in the manual and there's a paragraph describing what treasure five is. It's like a text adventure, except they outsourced all the... Uh... <laughs> well, they just couldn't fit it in RAM. Exactly. You have to, it's an ex, with an expansion pack and the expansion pack is printed on paper. Right, right, right. <laughs> and there's like 60 pages of this. It's really remarkable. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm on that section now looking through. You're it's looking like, through a PDF? It's like, it's like a, it's like a condensed uh, choose your own adventure book almost in that regard. Okay. So that's interesting because now I'm, I'm wondering about things like, okay, so you find this treasure and imagine the treasure is 50 gold pieces. If I'm if I'm playing a game where I'm earning gold, the idea is that I would be able to turn that into some resource that I could use. Yeah, yeah. So there is, like, I think it's on the opposite side of the disc. Like, you flip the disc over, and mm -hmm. now you're in the inn, and you can talk to a, a, a merchant, mm -hmm. and you can barter to buy things. But you just have to kind of know what you have is that the idea i i'm not sure about that because i haven't played this game in a long time yeah. i tried it at one point and like actually playing the game absolutely <laughs> not interested in that there are uh, like every dungeon crawl nowadays is better than this but like it certainly gives you enough information in the manual to say like you got treasure four the body wears a money belt with 65 gold pieces inside like that gives you enough information and like there's another one that's um Thar's gold in them thar plaque. So that's a terrible joke. And then you're supposed to look at see the gold plaque and you can look up the gold plaque in the table. That's worth 2000 SP. Mm. Uh, and so the manual gives you enough information that you could 
like as part of what you're when you're typing in your character stats you could type in how much money you have and use that to buy equipment from the innkeeper yeah i was gonna say like if you can put in whatever stats you want then i would imagine you could put in whatever money value you want and then just kind of yeah use that. you could you could totally put in a completely overpowered character buy all the best equipment and, and win the game immediately so so about that it does claim of i'm looking at this pdf manual and this is for the apshite trilogy so this perhaps a later slightly more advanced release right uh but only slightly because all that table stuff we've been describing about treasures and rooms is uh in there uh but it does claim the dungeon master spelled with a j well um for the just sound in dungeon uh-huh. uh will save your character okay so yeah the, i think the trilogy came out in like 85 yeah that's what it says probably there were some a little bit a little bit more ram a little bit more polish on this i'm pretty sure the trilogy also had graphics yeah there's there's not screenshots per se but a little diagram that would indicate that uh yeah there's there's some level of sophistication going on there yeah this reminds me of these uh the super mario versions of the the choose your own adventure like book which i forget the title of the series oh yeah um but they would have they had a sheet in like a character type sheet in them where you could keep track of items you found along the way like a pair of pliers or whatever and how many coins you found right there was there was no computer program mediating it other than you know whatever experience you brought from uh just playing mario games in general but Right. Apparently they picked that spelling of dungeon because at the time Wizards of the Coast or TSR, whatever the company was called then, was making a board game called Dungeon. And they were worried that that might be using that word might put them in trademark trouble. That makes a lot of sense. So wait, when did when did did this come out? Uh, The original was like 1979, I think. I I forget my D&D history, but that, that was like shortly after D was becoming a thing right i know it was in the 70s the first game was published in 1974 according to this oh wow okay so it's a little bit like it, like it really feels like someone's first attempt to digitize the experience of playing a dungeon crawl yeah right where it's just like i how how is this going to work well we don't know we know you need you need your character sheet you get loot uh, someone describes what's happening. Like I said, it, it almost feels like a utility. Like, like, like there's a, there's a lot on the player to do, um, yeah. which is is really kind of fascinating. I like I'm almost, and this is like a one player game, right? Yes. Because I'm I'm also reminded of um, trends that I've seen lately of like solo RPG adventures where you have some guidelines to follow, and it's almost like a like a solitaire exercise, but it's a book. And you yeah. just kind of look through the book and like, again, maybe it like a similar to a choose your own adventure thing, but I guess there's dice rolls involved. Yeah. I, I, I think I have about uh, 50 of those from various itch.io bundles. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I just, I'm, I'm the prevalence of, of that kind of thing existing almost like it almost kind of feels like someone said, well, what if we took the dungeon crawl of concept and we digitized it. Well, how would we do that? Like, it's kind of complicated. Well, let's start with with like you put in your your stats and, and stuff like that, and then things happen. And then at some point, it it went back the other way, and it's like, well, why would we digitize this at all? Uh-huh. Why don't why don't why don't we just make it like why don't we use this as an opportunity to detach from the computer and make it something that we just do with a book? Fascinating. I'm I'm really curious. Like, I I want to. I don't know. <laughs> Dragons on a chip. 
Oh my oh, yeah. gosh, this image is fantastic. John B is pasting snippets from the manual into the chat. And this one is, um, it says Dungeon Quest trademark, dragons on a chip. And there's a picture of like a hybrid dragon on a microchip, like as hybrid dragon microchip, where they're like, the dragon head is coming out of the microchip and spewing flames at an adventurer. And as though the teeth of the microchip are like centipede feet, but they're right. all, yeah. yeah. We'll either put this in the show notes or uh, we'll, we'll use it as a bonus to en- entice listeners, not on the Discord, to join. That's we'll post, right. We'll yeah. post it in the uh, chat when the episode goes live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very clever. Yeah. So this, I read about this manual. It was on a, a blog post by, let me remind myself here, Jason McIntosh <laughs> or McIntosh, perhaps, writing about like his history and his feelings about this book, having played the game as a kid and reading the reading the manual. And I just became obsessed with this. And I've, I've been thinking about it for the past three weeks. And it's ridiculous because I know I don't want to play the game. And then the feelings are all are like tied up with like my experience with the original Dungeons and Dragons, which is also like I had like like the red box as a kid. And mm-hmm. I read all those books, but I've never had a good actual experience playing a tabletop D session like i've tried it three <laughs> or four times and it's always been like either meh or it sucked i think i just don't i think i might have too much like social anxiety for it and similarly like so i don't i don't want to play DD. i don't want to play temple of apshai if i wanted to play like a dungeon crawl i'd get into like caves of cud or something like that but i am obsessed with like the old school dungeon crawl plus the manual like those two things together like just the the physical artifact something about that makes it special to me it hits that interesting zone yeah yeah where you're playing this game but like you have to pa- pause the game and look up you can't actually i don't think you can actually pause and it's a re- it's real-time combat so you have to like fight the ant-man before you can look up the description of the room you're in but you have to pause and like pick up this book and flip through it and it lends a really interesting texture to the to my imagined experience of playing this game I'm reminded a little bit of like original Nintendo games where you would get a manual with the game and the manual would would have art that was like cartoony art for whatever enemies you'd be facing or whatever the weapons that you were going to use look like. Um, And then, of course, you play the game and it's just really, in many cases, not especially detailed pixel art. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That that is standing in for. And And so it's almost like you're you're playing this game and you're seeing the pixels on the screen but having read through the manual you have more context for what you're what you're looking at and like what the enemies are about and what the weapons are about and so yeah. it's it's almost like the the melding of those two things is where the actual experience comes from right it's like it, you can't have one without the other so i have similar feelings about the zelda 1 manual as well yeah yeah yeah, that, that's an excellent example. I, a very yeah. thick boy, full of yeah. lore, and <laughs> the the one thick uh, console game manual I remember the most is the Sim City manual. Oh, I bet. Yeah, doesn't that one have like a like a, a lot of information just about city planning abstractly, like about how you do city planning in real life, the philosophy of it? Yeah, yeah, to a degree, and you know, a lot of it it always ties kind of back into well, not always, but yeah, there is a lot of that kind of 
flavor material about what it means to build a city. And then it'll take a step back, you know, a few pages later. And like, say, what is a city? What is it for? Exactly. And it'll mm. say, well, it's here and, you know, you can create your own goal. You know, do you want to create the biggest city you can without roads or things like that? Yeah, yeah. there is a lot of that in there. Uh, I haven't seen the Sim Earth manual for Super Nintendo. I don't know if it uh, is even wilder. I remember a lot what of is an Earth for. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of in-game text about the Gaia theory and the Daisy World uh, hypothesis thought experiment. And you could actually play a simulation of it. And- right. I, I used to love Sim Earth on the Super Nintendo. I would, I, but I never bought it. I always would rent it from the from the video store. And usually yeah. it had the manual with it. And the manual, as I recall, was pretty thick. But I don't remember. I don't remember reading too much about it. Other other than it did, it had a manual, and there it seemed like there was so much going on that I wasn't. That I wasn't paying attention to, and so maybe the experience of it was. Hey, look, there's there's a comment from Jim on the article he was talking about the blog post. That's uh, that was me replying to the uh, Mastodon, the toot. Ah, uh, okay. Apparently, that gets included in there as the comment as a comment. All right, but yeah, kind of going back to that kind of uh, balance between you know what's in the game and what's in the manual, and kind of mm-hmm. how they interact. That's an interesting balance to. Uh, to nail it'd be cool to see something take it a little more in the game direction you know that the table is a bit much i think as cool as it is um for for filling in the blanks but i wonder if there's a way to do this kind of thing where it doesn't feel like busy work it really does well i guess you know tunic kind of uh, feeds back more into the game itself i was about to bring up tunic yeah well in tunic it's actually just included in the game which right i don't know it i guess the way you would have to do that is by saying like when you find the page in the world it would be like you do the um, legacy thing, the board game legacy thing. Okay, like now is. you now you open the envelope and pull out this page. Yeah, that would be a cool way to do a video game. That's almost like what Star Tropics did with the uh, the letter. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I, that was wild. I, I got to experience that one uh, for myself. That was oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, let's put paper and water. No, that's going to ruin it. Like I remember the letter, and I remember like it was available when I rented it from wherever I rented it from, but. But I think it by that point it had already been spoiled for me somehow. So like I got to do the thing, but it didn't reveal any knowledge that I that I wasn't gonna get. Which is right. It's too too bad. So one other thing about this though, I'm I'm so speaking of games that have a large component that is external to the game itself. Are either of you familiar with a game called Sentinel Worlds One: Colon Future Magic? No, <laughs> that's a good name. Yeah, there was never a Sentinel Worlds Two. But uh, this is a 1988 role-playing game that's like a space adventure game where you fly around in a ship and you can board other ships and do little combat scenarios. And you're also looking for clues and you're looking for people who you can talk to to figure out where to go on planets. Because it's like, this is a planet. You need to have coordinates for where where you need to go other than like the three major cities. And so... The way you find these is by talking to people. And I was perplexed by this game because the first time I played it, I found someone who I thought probably had some information and I started talking to him. And at one point, rather than giving me a response, it just said in brackets, see paragraph three. <laughs> and this was referring to, this was referring to a, the text in a manual that I did not have. Right. Um, and so that was the end of my experience with it but it was it was neat like i've gone back and looked since then to see like what was in this manual and it, it, it's again just like blocks of text and and just interesting descriptions of places in the world and there's so much 
about the game that is just external to the actual software. Be funny if that was the copy protection. And that was the I only time that was the was. only time they used that. <laughs> yeah, like all those copy protection methods in that era were fantastic. I guess a lot of the Infocom games often did that where they would refer to an object in the game and you'd need to look at the object to to mm-hmm. understand what's happening in the scene and how to proceed. Like the ones where you're playing a detective, like a lot of the evidence that you look at is just it comes with the bot within the box. And so it's it's both a way to enhance your play mm-hmm. experience and also copy protection if, effectively. Yeah. The other the other console game I think of that did something like this was uh Where in Time is Carmen San Diego and probably oh, some sure. of the other versions. Played a lot of that on AS. Had that desk mm-hmm. encyclopedia. <laughs> now I know about Les Miserables because of that. Also, the TIE Fighter manual had a whole story in it. That was kind of fun. The TIE Fighter, one of those had like little icons in the corner of pages. And that's how you were supposed to like, it would it would say, it would randomize the page you were supposed to turn to and you select a code or something like that. I don't know. Copy protection. Good good stuff. I have copies of the diskette and the uh, the special edition CD-ROM version of TIE Fighter in my, uh, somewhere in here. And uh I actually found both on the same day. First, I found the diskette version in one thrift store and then the CD one in another bookstore. And it was a weird day. Yeah. The Zactronics programming games do this too. The Shenzhen IO comes with a manual. Oh, yeah. A manual. Like if you, and if you buy it, like the electronic copy of the game, you're supposed to print it out. Oh, yeah. Keep talking and nobody explodes is another one that. Yeah. And <laughs> um, Exapunks comes with two zines. And it does do the legacy thing where you're only supposed to open the envelope and get the second zine when you reach that part of the story. <laughs> and the zines are like full of like they're they're it's 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 styled as a you know here's a hacking magazine like frack. Oh yeah, but oh, it's also cool. just effectively the game's manual because it has a bunch of short tutorial style stuff in there like how to hack. I remember playing through Shenzhen IO and I it it said yeah print this out and keep it in a binder or something and right. I think I, man, I am pretty sure I was just going back and forth in a PDF for, no, actually I take it back there. I did print out sections of it and I brought it with me to my job (laughs) and I was like, let me look through my papers and see what's going on. I was like cramming for my, for my, uh, programming assignments. Yeah. And sticking it, sticking it to the man. Wish I could unplay that that game and play it again it was so good yeah i really like shenzhen io i really like shenzhen io like the main campaign and i really didn't like the bonus campaign yeah i, I got to the bonus campaign and i i think i quit almost immediately i yeah. found it too hard it's too hard and also like flavor wise it's boring mm. like the 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 first campaign is is full of like the foibles of of like your your coworker who keeps giving like he's supposed to be the the um the guy who sets up all the business deals, but he keeps fucking up and giving you assignments that are like funny rather than useful. Like <laughs> he, he, he's the one who's like getting you to, you have to, we have to make 10,000 animated vape pens for DJ cool dad, yeah. you know, and like we need to make a scorekeeper for this beer pong game that, or like a, a drinking game that, you know, the guy meets people in these guys in a bar and then they, they have a, uh, a particular brand of liquor that they invented a drinking game for. And we're doing a, a score counter for that game. Just lore wise, it was much more entertaining. And like the premise of the, the, um, 
the second campaign is now you're in with the serious folks doing serious work. And so that is less fun. Right. (laughs) And like, you're trying to like build a self-sustaining city and doing the sorts of like tasks you would do to do that. And it's, so it's much less fun and it's also much harder. And it's just like, Mm. I don't want to, I'm not going to, this is not fun. It's become a job at that point. Right. Exactly. (laughs) This this is, this is too much like actual work. (laughs) Are we uh, ready for another topic? Sure. Yep. Uh, for this topic, we're going to be doing the poem Seen and Not Seen by Talking Heads. Who would like to read this poem? Uh, I'm the one who put it in the bucket, but if uh, John would like to read oh, it. Oh, no, John. Go go right ahead, John. Okay. I, it seems like I tend to read the poem that I put in. So, And I'm usually the one who has one the last few times I've been on. So, okay. <laughs> That's usually how it goes, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll try to uh, not do exactly like David Byrne, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Maybe someone who doesn't know how David Byrne does it should read the poem. (laughs) Maybe I should read the poem because I don't know this song. Yeah, that'd be good. Go for it. Okay. He would see faces in movies, on TV, in magazines, and in books. He thought that some of these faces might be right for him. And through the years, by keeping an ideal facial structure fixed in his mind or somewhere in the back of his mind, that he might, by force of will, cause his face to approach those of his ideal. The change would be very subtle. It might take 10 years or so. Gradually, his face would change its shape. A more hooked nose, wider, thinner lips, beady eyes, a larger forehead. He imagined that this was an ability he shared with most other people. They had also molded their faces according to some ideal. Maybe they imagined that their new face would better suit their personality. Or maybe they imagined that their personality would be forced to change to fit the new appearance. This is why first impressions are often correct. Although some people might have made mistakes, they may have arrived at an appearance that bears no relationship to them. They may have picked an ideal appearance based on some childish whim or momentary impulse. Some may have gotten halfway there and and then changed their minds. He wonders if he too might have made a similar mistake. And that's the end. Hmm. Although Hmm. there is is some uh, barely transcribable um, low talking at the end of the song that is not included here that oh is it, it's like some mumbling i have tried to listen it's yeah it sounds like mumbling but you can make out somewhere it's but it but it's like musical it's like mm, hey, hum, hum, ha, hum, hum, hey. yeah Except i can tell he's saying words but uh the sound of uh the the helpers in frog factions yes yeah so this is more like a sci-fi story than... a little bit or a weird thought you know daydream thought experiment kind of thing yeah this is this is a shower thoughts post <laughs> yeah I was wondering that, or if it's also, if it's about someone feeling that there is something wrong about them that everyone else can do that, that he cannot do, he, the speaker cannot do. It seems like everyone else is able to, to do this critical thing. And is there something that is, is hard about it that I, that I myself cannot do? Yeah. I mean, talking heads lyrics are always kind of like this, where it's, (laughs) it's a, it's a very funny thing if you pay attention. Hmm. Like this, this idea, I mean, there's a great comment on the genius page, you know, about describing his new ideal face, a more hooked nose, wider, thinner lips, beady eyes, a larger forehead. These are, these are not usually attractive features that folks would uh, (laughs) find desirable. If you click on those four lines on genius.com, you see a picture of Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, it's yeah it's you you're like wondering what is this uh what does this protagonist think about himself that this this appearance uh is is his ideal he's like ah yes this this is fair this is what I uh this this is accurate to my personality and uh <laughs> this is right for me so yeah there's 
there's a lot interesting going on here about i'm reminded also of that um the, sorry that that episode of uh, the twilight zone about people who put on masks and then the person who's making them put on the masks dies and then they all take off the masks and their faces have contorted to fit the grotesque mask that yeah, they've been wearing they're, they're all bastards after the guy's inheritance and his condition yeah, yeah, yeah. he make he uh makes them wear these masks and let them be bitter at each other and tells them all what he thinks he's like aha now this this is what you look like because this is what you are on the inside kind mm-hmm. of thing well, spoilers for the twilight zone <laughs> yeah and you know it says he imagined that this was an ability he shared with most other people <laughs> it's playing with this idea of the causality of and like correspondence between appearance and you know your true nature and stuff right but only over only over a period of 10 years yeah <laughs> so you know it takes it takes concentration it's a discipline and then of course verse three where everything goes wrong <laughs> where you, you can fuck it up that's a very funny idea as well the the mention of the 10 years makes me wonder if it's like the age of the speaker as it were oh. um right because if it's something like there's a 10 year old out there who's thinking this the 10 year old's thinking this and thinking like well this is i'm now at my end goal this face is my perfect face and it should never change from here on yeah or or just like i'm thinking too about how people's faces change over time and so if the change would be subtle, if it might take 10 years or so, then are they just describing getting older? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, like that, that's all it is. You just, you get older. Yeah. I imagine myself as someone who's, who looks older than I look. Mm. And as long as I keep imagining that I'm going to, my face is going to keep aging. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the declarative statement that would earn a citations needed on uh, Wikipedia that this is why first impressions are often correct that ends uh first two uh yeah one thing about talking heads it's i think burn has said as much about their lyrics you know they'll, they'll take a position in one song and then do the opposite position like three songs later or <laughs> so it's you, you have things like the the song the big country which you know is kind of li- looking down figuratively and literally on you know people in flyover states or the countryside outside of cities Right. And uh, then you have the movie True Stories, which is, you know, kind of off kilter, but in a certain way, a celebration of, uh, you know, people in places like that. Hmm. But um, and I like this song on a Remain in Light as well. This is where uh, Seen and Not Seen is from. You know, it's it's very much um, sung and it's spoken. It's like a spoken word poetry uh, slam kind of thing. And the verses are punctuated with like a nice guitar sting and vocals and there's this constant rhythm going through and hand claps and all that. But uh, so you get a nice break in between the, in between the verses that you don't necessarily get when reading it directly as a poem, but it very much right. is. Yeah. That, that is one thing about, about song is that they can have like little interludes where like you, if you're the kind of person who listens to lyrics, which I am not, uh, you can, you can just think about like what you've heard, what you've heard a moment ago, like, huh, of wider, thinner lips. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very insightful, so I don't know how much more I <laughs> I have on this one. But yeah, just an, a a funny. I pick funny poems. I picked the the funny ones last time. I picked a funny one this time. I picked or just something slightly different. I, oh, I didn't realize this was a comedy. I didn't. I I thought this was like. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what I thought it was. You're always kind of uh, in between with with a lot of Talking Heads songs. You know, he, he takes some weird perspective and. Uh, but like like I said, you know, the statement about the the ideal face. Right. Is, is is a pretty wry you know it's it's played straight 
but I think each verse kind of ends like with a punchline almost, right? Mm -hmm. A more hook, the description of the face. And then verse two ends with, this is why forced impressions are often correct. <laughs> you know, no supporting, <laughs> no real, real supporting evidence. It's all coming from this imagination here. And then, uh, you know, verse three ends with the idea that uh, somebody fucked it up. You know, you can fuck <laughs> this up. Right. This is why first impressions are often correct. That, that, yeah, the, you're right. The more I think about that line, that's really something. It's, just, it's, just, it's, it's like, like it's, it's an insight into the person who is going through this process, right? He's just like, well, obviously first impressions are often correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that I think shows up in a lot of the, the, the songs that clearly have a narrator and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. through talking heads discography. Everything I hear, I love. I just... Yeah, I, I can point you to a nice place. Um, somebody uh, took the SACD remixes that they did for Surround Sound and um, demixed them back to stereo. So they're cleaned up and everything, you know, and everything's separated well, but but back down to two channel. Hmm. Um, oh, interesting. That's that that's out there floating. Is that better than a, like a what you might call a remaster that surely exists as well? Uh, I don't know. I think I think it's mostly an attempt to preserve um, kind of what they did for what's basically a dead format with the with the Super Audio CD. Right. There's there's a handful of these releases. Uh, David Bowie's Heathen is one I want to get my hands on sometime. But of course, the the ones that did anything interesting with the format now are kind of expensive because right. they didn't they weren't very popular. But yeah, it 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 was kind of a proof of concept or rescue operation of you know how the tracks sounded on those releases to a place where you can uh you know without a uhd player or a first generation ps3 you can uh still listen to them hmm. are we ready for another topic i think so yeah john your topic is the new zelda game several weeks in feels like the phase of a civilization game where much but not all of the world has been revealed yeah have you all been playing zelda i i am yeah i'm several weeks in if, if I can't be playing it right now, the, the next best thing is to have a topic about it. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, my wife is downstairs playing Zelda. So fantastic. Um, after I do this, I am probably going to go play some Zelda myself. What What's the protocol here, Jim? Like, how much are we talking about? Is everything is anything off limits at this oh, point? Oh, you mean like spoiler wise? Yeah. We're close enough to the end of the show. Let's just let's just say we're going to spoil the, the Zelda game. And and uh, to call like to shut off the show the podcast here if you're if you don't want to hear that stuff. So the big one, there's an underground there. We said it. Anybody who's been playing knows that now. It's not a big secret, but the, that was great that they didn't show any of that in the uh, lead up material. Yeah, yeah, I was really uh, nothing pleased. at all about it. I was really pleased about that reveal as well. Uh, they're like, oh, the sky, the sky. Don't you want to go to the sky? Uh, ha ha, fuckers. There's an underground. There's a whole other map. It's, it's way better than the sky. The, the thing that I was going to say regarding um, Civilization, though, in particular, so I, I don't know if any of you have played Civilization before or any of the various Civ games that have come out. I've played Civilization 1. The last, oh, wow, okay, old school. That's so long ago, I don't remember if it has the same functions. But basically, I like... Mean, it definitely has a map that you uncover as you play. A map that you uncover as you play. And then as you go further along, there is a section that is revealed, and then you understand what the enemy's section looks like, or your adversary's section looks like too. Yes. Even though you may may not be able to get through it. And then there's still some stuff be beyond that. So not all is revealed yet, but much has been revealed. Yes. My experience right now of playing this game, and I think the last time I was on here, I talked about how excited I was to play this without 
you know, going in without any idea of what else is going to be out there and, you know, not looking on at anything online, which I did for like about a week. I like, I didn't look up anything for, for the first week. Um, and then afterwards I, I started trying to see what other people's experiences were like. What I still haven't done yet is meticulously go through and say, okay, where do I collect all the stuff? Where do I find all the shrines that I haven't found yet? Where do I find all the light routes? And so there's still much that is mysterious that's out there just because it's it's too big of it's the game is too big there's too yeah. much of the game it's almost too big that it's hard even to look for things online if i were so inclined <laughs> well they they made it easier in in many respects because or the, the respect that i'm thinking of is that you now uh gives you the coordinates your coordinates that is a nice on, touch on the mini map Including vertical height. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like if you want to share a location, you can do it very precisely. I guess there isn't really a good way to search for a location. Even if you know what the location is, there is still some amount of challenge to get to that location because you need to know, you know, what is there a sky tower that I can get propelled up to the height that I need? Or do I need to get to some intermediate place and then just you know, make a flying machine and get the rest of the way. Yeah. Or, you know, it, like there's, there's still enough of a challenge in going into the sky that I haven't gotten to the point where I'm just like, all right, I need to finish this or I need to complete this and I need to like go do everything. So there, it's just that there's still so much of the world that has yet to be revealed. And I just remember like going, going back to the Civ comparison. I just remember there were times where I would play like Civ 4 and I would set it to the longest time frame and the largest world and we just spend the day immersed in this and it wasn't until very very late in the day that finally you know someone would launch a satellite and then the entire world would be revealed and then it, was, it very clearly felt like we were approaching the end of something right but, I, but to me it's like we're still in the renaissance uh, in terms of like the the time frame uh where it is yeah yeah so i i have so i've uncovered the whole map by meaning i've hit all the towers yeah yep yep but there's a lot of the underground i haven't seen mm -hmm. i don't even know how to measure what parts of the of the sky i've seen like i don't have a good way to 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 mark that stuff but uh, not only not only would i say like the much of the game is physically a mystery to me i would say like still a lot of the game like i don't even know structurally what it looks like yeah like a lot of it is still a ludic mystery to me yeah i mean like you i'm know, constantly running into like new mechanics sure the, the the basic story structure is still kind of the same there's there's four places go to them but uh as as breath of the wild that is we're talking about tears of the kingdom i don't we were calling yeah. it the new zelda but let's say we're talking about tears of the kingdom i don't think we said the name of the game. <laughs> I, aside I, from zelda I, now now that i think about it i don't even know if i was instructed to go to shrines like i i remember in breath of the wild it's very clearly like go to the shrine and yeah. cover the thing and there are you, many yeah, other you such have shrines. To. there's there's a there's a tutorial area well i yeah you, you yeah, do yeah that, the, but... the ghost king rauru tells you to go to the shrines to get your abilities but but even that's just like you go and you get the abilities and now you've got these abilities and there's no mention of oh yeah also in addition to these shrines that are up here in this island there's shrines all over the the surface now too yeah. better go find them and 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 solve them all you know like like i i feel like it was it was more like directly expressed in breath of the wild maybe i'm misremembering 
but, but I mean, I've played a Zelda game. I know that there's, you know, I need to get some heart containers. And so I need to get some shrines to get those like, <laughs> right. You know, me, me, the, the human knows that, but like within the game, I don't know if link ever. Was I, I told think it's that. pretty intuitable, but, uh, but also like, even if it wasn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, this, I, these, these game and this game specifically is at its best when it's not telling you to do stuff. Yeah. Which unfortunately it's doing a lot of the time. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if it, if it has to do that, because if it didn't, you wouldn't know where to start. I mean, maybe if it were just the opening quests telling you like how to basically play the game, that would be one thing. But like the game is peppered with like, I would say there's at least 10 times as many quests as there were in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And and I think in large part, that's just because the world is like in the lore, the world is more populated now. Like it's rebuilding hmm. after the calamity Ganon calamity or whatever, which no one talks about anymore. And right, yeah, no one ever mentions it. <laughs> and and so, like, just because there are more people in the world, you interact with people more. Um, mm-hmm. and that stuff is the my least favorite part of the game. Like, I think it's not just like because of my taste, but I think it's also poorly done. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think a lot of the quest scripting is poorly done and and like awkward. But yeah, just the 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 spaces you explore, like the caves, the depths, it's so good. Like, yeah. I was talking a couple topics ago about Temple of Apshai, about dungeon crawlers, about how I like it's it's ridiculous that I'm romanticizing this one dungeon crawler that I don't want to play because I am currently playing like a game that hits all the notes that I want out of a dungeon crawler. Like and it does so really well. But does but does it have an elaborate complex manual, Jim? No, but it has a bunch of people talking to you for do quests. But does it does it have a dragon with with circuit feet, Jim? No, but it does have a dragon with like really weird, like exaggerated eyelashes. That's true. <laughs> Touche. That you run around on top of spoilers. Well, one one thing I encountered uh, when I was playing the other day um, was have you have you gone to a stable and if you've played Breath of the Wild, you keep all your horses from the stable yeah yeah so i mean i found that pretty early but um i ran into a quest where somebody wanted to see the giant horse yeah and you can can go out in the world and capture the giant horse i'd already done that in breath of the wild so i was able to get him out of the stable and just complete (laughs) the the quest immediately there was a big one that looked kind of like i mean it had red hair it looked like ganon colored kind of right oh you want to see the big horse oh you mean this horse yeah the one i captured in in a previous life yeah six years ago i named him buckets Sure. <laughs> I, I named mine Doby Mick because I was doing a Moby Dick pun. I don't, he's huge. That's the joke. Um, but yeah, so, so that was, that was a fun little moment for me. I'm playing it. I'm playing it like I played Breath of the Wild where um, vehicles, horses, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to run around and climb on everything. Mm, yeah. I mean, you're, otherwise you're going to zoom by all the Korok seats, right? You're not going to, you're going to see all the little puzzles. But the first time I played Breath of the Wild, I captured a horse and I rode around it for a bit and I realized like, this is not a great way to get around this world because like, I want to climb this wall here. And then the horse is on the other side of the wall. And like, I guess I could go to a stable and retrieve it. Uh, but it was just like, it didn't fit the way I wanted to play the game. And the next time I played breath of the wild, I replayed it a couple of years later. I didn't get a horse. And <laughs> that's the save that it looked at when it imported my horses. Oh no. So I had no horses in my stable. And so like, 40 hours into into tears of the kingdom i had to do i did a quest where i had to get a horse i like 
All right, I'll f- fine. I'll uh, damn it. <laughs> I'm so interesting. You mentioned the horse problem because that w- that was one thing that I also found rather annoying, which was utterly solved by the DLC that allows you to get the teleport saddle. Oh, like I don't know if you if you ever did that. There's a because the DLC for Breath of the Wild had a bunch of unique items, some 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 of dubious usefulness, like right. the Ravio's hood that lets you climb faster sideways. But uh, but yeah, one of them that you could find was the um, ancient saddle. And when you put that on a horse, when you called it, it would just teleport to your location. And that was awesome. That's what I wanted out of like I, that's what I that's what they did in Ocarina of Time. Really? Like yeah. They, play they the just, song. Yeah. Yeah. You play the song, and the horse like it, it teleports behind some scenery and then runs over to you. Mm. So, but so like, but to get to that, you need to like do like get a pretty advanced character and do a bunch of quests, right? Yeah. Um, I, there was there was a quest in the DLC where you're like have to go through and kill a bunch of enemies without getting hit, and that's kind of where I stopped to try and get the motorcycle. Right. But yeah, a, a oh, bunch yeah. of the a bunch of the quests they added for like the fashion items. I think those are just uh those are just canon like non DLC now. Like Misko, the the mythic person yep. left him behind is there's a bunch of that. Yeah, you, you, you can still wear the the ad for Xenoblade Chronicles two. <laughs> the, the Nintendo Switch T-shirt. I don't I don't know if that transferred over to Tears, but um, <laughs> oh man, if if that's in the oh that would be so nice. That would be so silly. Just like yeah, let's, the, let's the Sheikah give you the slate. items that take you entirely out of the the Sheikah slate shirt that no, no everybody's like what's a Sheikah slate it's called a Pura pad now old man okay boomer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a there's a a, ser- a long series of quests you can do to get like an outfit that looks like Link's classical like green elf outfit with a floppy hat uh huh. Oh, that was, I think that was just when you find all of the shrines and the, and right. Like after you've played the whole game, you you look like Link and, but like that and the teleport saddle are things that I would want at the start of the game. Like I want to play the game (laughs) wearing that outfit. I don't want to like play the whole game and then get to wear that outfit. Well, like, okay, there's nothing left to do in this outfit. So I guess I'll look at it for a couple of seconds and then shut it down. That's, that's when you fight the boss. That's when you go to Ganon. Yeah. Taking down or take fun screenshots of uh, things happening. If you need to actually like play the game with it, you would actually also have to then go through the process of upgrading it to end game armor level. Yeah, could... that's that. That's the real sad sadness is that you get this really beautiful set, but you're never going to wear it because it doesn't give you any buffs. Right. Yeah. Or you could. Or you could get good. I'm not. That's, good at the, that, that's right. I'm not good at the, the combat at all. I um, need to learn how to not take hits. I, I oh yeah, I I, uh, I just sponge up the hits and and eat. I, I eat my way through battles like I yeah. do through life. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. The one thing I try to do um, when I remember to is like if there's any way I can jump off of something, I'll jump off and go into the arrow bullet time and oh, take yeah. like three or four headshots. Yeah, I've 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 been a big fan of the bow since yeah, the, yeah you do that when whenever you see a bloopy yeah somebody that was one of the tips i got from somebody else like uh you know i haven't looked anything up specifically but i've been fine looking at like people's contraptions on twitter because i have barely engaged mm-hmm. with any of the contraption stuff two two uh main dungeons down and the whole map uncovered and everything right like i'll do that sometime but i still haven't even upgraded my battery or nothing so Right. I i was not engaging much with the contraptions until I started upgrading the battery. And when when I decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do, 
and I'm just going to spend the time collecting what I need to, to do it. That's when contraption-y stuff started getting pretty cool because yeah. the other, like if you're going around the depths anyway, to look for this, for look, look for zonite that you can use to upgrade, you're also going to run into Yiga camps and you're going to find cool schematics from them. Yeah. Then it like, it becomes very exciting to build the, the two fan and one control stick flying machine and stick a giant bright bloom on the front of it and just fly around the depths and just collect everything, which is what I've, that's how I've been spending a lot of my time. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good experience. I need to start, I need to, to build the the two fan bike. It sounds awesome. Yeah. The, a lot of the game's content does demand that you engage with the contraption building stuff hmm. in a, in a way that's much more elaborate than I'm interested in digging into it. But auto build has been a big help there. Yeah. Like just, I think I have a schema stone for this. Like I found a schema stone that's called a launching pad. That's just like, <laughs> it's a spring attached to a platform and like it launches you diagonally. Oh, nice. I did a, a shrine recently that teaches you that if you fuse a rocket to your shield by using the shield, you just go straight up, which is incredible. Yeah. yeah I, I saw things. I haven't even the weapon fusing. I haven't done all that much with, but it came out pretty early that you could fuse a mine cart to your shield. And then when you do shield <laughs> surfing, it becomes a skateboard basically. <laughs> Very good. So the, sa- the same thing. If you take a frozen gourmet meat and put it, <laughs> put it on your shield, then you have this, like this frictionless ice ice board essentially. And I, I, think, I guess I haven't tried it, but I, I guess it has like really good durability too. I fused the Zora <laughs> shield to the Zora shield and I got the Zora shield shield. That's about as elaborate as I am. <laughs> And that's all the time we have for topic lords. Uh, it is. John, if this is something that you want, where could people find you on the internet? You know, I am going to try to be more present in the topic lords discord. Uh, so you can find me in the Zelda thread in there. Um, I think I'm currently John mystery, but I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out. Uh, yes, I, I think I'll, you're I'll... beats master in there. Am I? Let me see what I last. No, I'm currently John Mystery. You're John Mystery in the in the Discord. Okay, that great. is my display name, and I'll leave it as that, so that when this comes out, I'll still be that for a time. Cool. And John, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, come come to San Diego. Uh, right. At least at least two people have uh, done that now, <laughs> and found me literally. Yeah. Or I found them. Sounds like a threat. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!